Final hour of the Bill Michaels Show, and we are glad you are with us. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being here. Good to have you. Uh, by the way, going into the top of the hour, uh, the uh, discussion was Rogers real quick, and uh, they said that Rogers dating Mallory Edens. Is that still a thing? I didn't know if it was. Uh, not that I've, I haven't heard or seen anything about it. He's No, I haven't pretty heard private, anything. Though. I mean, look, if Rogers doesn't want to have a girlfriend, sometimes the timing doesn't work. Like, for example, Bill, I never had a girlfriend in college, and I'm very good looking. I'm a great time. Uh, It didn't make sense to me either. Sometimes people are just single for reasons. Yeah, but you were doing OnlyFans for a long time. That's right. I was was busy. (laughs) I was busy with work. Yes, that that was my problem. I was making money. Yeah, you were doing OnlyFans. Feet pics. Um, Yeah. yeah, Oh, God. Yeah, you you and Rex Ryan. Um, no, I, I, I honestly don't know. I mean, with all this time off, he never appeared at a Bucks game, right? He never came back to see the team that he's a partial owner for. I mean, I don't, I don't blame him. I mean, you're going to get mixed reaction from fans in the stadium and I don't know. I don't blame him for that. I mean, I don't know, but you would figure you might, you know, you might test those waters. I don't know. Never came back for a Bucks game. Still hasn't. You wonder if he'll be courtside or something if they ended up in the in the postseason. But I, as far as the Mallory Edens thing, I have no idea. No idea. To be perfectly honest, that was a kind of a rumor, but you never saw them together, did we? I think maybe. Mm, I don't know that we did. That's a good question. Well, the last Bucks game that he went to, he was sitting by her, but I don't know that they were an item. At the time. Right. And I don't know that they were ever a couple past, you know, they went on a couple of dates and, you know, had din- like had dinner. I don't I don't yeah. know if it ever escalated past that. Yeah. I I don't I don't know. Don't uh I and I think you know what? I think most Packers fans look at it as who the hell cares? Who the hell cares? And to a certain extent, you're one hundred percent correct. I will give you that. Uh, by the way, we were talking earlier about the NFL PA and the player grades for franchises out today. And you uh, going through some of these, the 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 worst grade that the Packers received was the treatment of uh, the treatment of families was a C plus. The treatment of families was a C plus. Was that because Simone Biles didn't have her own suite like Taylor Swift did every week? I, you know, is that what that was? I mean, I, I, I don't specifically know. Is there a breakdown of that particular grade? Like, you know, was there different categories or was it just overall, Grant? Because you looked at the details. You're asking about family? Yeah. Uh, so this is what I have. They were tied for fifth at B+. Uh, supportive players, families ranked fifth. They offer a family room. They're one of 11 teams that don't offer daycare. So right. players probably would like that. And it says post-game gathering area ranked 11th. So maybe you could use some more space. That that was the thing about the locker room, too. It was It's nice, and it's big enough, mm-hmm. but needs a little bit of an update. Feels a little bit old, maybe. So that was one of yeah. the other complaints that I read. That's interesting. Because when you go around the league and you look and you get the NFL look in, to locker rooms and the Packers I mean short of having like the Packers don't have individual chairs in front of every locker like a lot of locker rooms do 
it's basically, you know, the old school way of sitting in your locker. You know, you put the little flip down. Every locker has the bench, and then under the bench is where you put, you know, your shoes or whatever your valuables are, and then they have a safe in the top of every locker. Um, but the chairs, when the media is covering you, tend to get in the way, and the Packers have never put chairs there, where some locker rooms have these big, almost like gaming chairs, these big plush roller chairs. Beyond that, I don't know what you would look for in a locker room that the Packers don't have. Um, they have televisions everywhere that now they don't have TVs to go watch the NFL network or sports center or whatever, but they have TVs. No longer is it written on a chalkboard. Here's the times. I mean, the TVs are constantly rolling. Here's what time you're going to have lunch. Here's what time your meeting is. Here's what time the D backs meet, where they meet the rooms they meet in. I mean, just, it's all right there. Your schedules, all you gotta do is look up and your schedules right there above you. And then you have what they call the green mile, which is, where, uh, you know, like your practice squad players and such are, where they're located. If you're not on the full roster, you're not in the main locker room. You're kind of in a, in a little corridor off to the side of the locker room. And Red Batty is right there. His office is, when you walk in, you go left into the locker room or right into Red Batty's office, the equipment manager, and he's got all the facilities there that he needs, which is really between, like, the media auditorium and the locker room. Uh, as far as the positioning of it inside Lambeau Field. I don't know what else they would want, if that makes sense. I don't know what else they need. It's not real bright. They don't have thumping club music in there. Um, They don't have, like, neons above the ceiling or anything like that to dress it up. But it's a pretty good facility. So I, I don't know what that is. So uh, that's a little interesting to me. So continue on, because... You said the treatment of families not having a daycare, one of 11 teams that don't have a daycare. Um, what else what, what else was there? A gathering area for families? Post-game gathering area. Yeah, whatever that whatever that means. And I, I don't mean to sound like a smartass. I, I truly don't know what that would mean. I've been yeah. to Lambeau only as a fan like two or three times, and that's it. They don't have, like, when you come out of um, the locker room, say, down at Jerry World, you're walking through a VIP section first and then the fans. You walk through them to get to the field. Um, some other stadiums have kind of incorporated that now where the, the players are actually walking through the fans to get to the tunnel to get on the field. The Packers don't have that. They have the old bricks um, from the north end zone. They brought them down to where the Packers currently run out of. Out of that tunnel, that's where the, the families and fans get or the families gather it's just a big it's you know the annex to the garage basically the indoor garage where mark murphy and brighton gudikins used to park i I don't know if they still park there if they park downstairs but that was kind of like the gathering area for the people that were going to carry the flag for the national anthem or some of the hall of fame guys that would come down or the packers hall of fame or the former packers for the alumni that would come down and be welcomed before the game where they store those those stone things that have the G on them and blow the smoke up when the Packers run out of the tunnel. All of that stuff is stored there. So maybe there's a remodel that they could do. But, you know, they just made it great for the players so the players could actually park inside the stadium. They just built that massive add-on so because the players, because Rodgers complained that he didn't want to go out into the snow and have to scrape his car, you know, so they built this underground parking garage. This for the players and the, some of the coaches and the assistants and such. So 
Yeah, I don't know what they need there. What was uh, some of the other grades? Uh, we want to look at uh, the food. It was a, a pretty good. Uh, that was kind of a rave review, and the nutritionist they had. Uh, what else? What else did you uh, caught your eye? Quality of food tied for second in the NFL. 100% yeah. of players say there's enough food. Uh, 96% say they have enough strength coaches, top of the line weight room. That wasn't an issue. Training room. Let's see. B minus. The steam room, 92. This It's hilarious to me, the details that are provided here. 92% right. of players feel that the steam room is big enough. 68% feel the sauna is big enough. So maybe a little bit less confidence in the sauna. 89% say there's enough hot tub space. Yeah. This, is just, this is just so funny to me. The training staff actually got a great review at A minus. Yeah. Um, yep. Let's see here. Uh, most teams rate their training staff positively. The Packers gave overall high marks to the training staff. Okay. So I don't think the players had an issue with the training, strength, and conditioning. That was something that came from above with Matt What Lord. What did they uh, vote? Because ownership is kind of a unique category because the Packers really don't have an owner. They have a president. So did they give a rating in Green Bay for, quote, ownership? Unless it's hidden somewhere here where I don't see it, no. I have treatment of families, food service, weight room, strength coaches, training room, training staff, locker room, and team travel. The, what did the team travel rate out at? Uh, a, tied for fourth best. They actually rave reviews for their travel process and staff. Hmm. Uh, which is interesting, and I'm, I'm not knocking it in any way, shape, or form, but they travel out of one of the smallest airports uh, in – in the league. That's and probably that why it's best. nice. Honestly, yeah, I love finding that's what it airports. Is. Yeah. Maybe that's what it is. But, um, I would assume I, now I've, uh, you know, it's been years since I've been on the team charters, but, uh, every year it was always, they were upgrading something, you know, in there, whether it was putting in USB ports or, you know, DVD back then it was personal DVD players and Wi-Fi and the food on the plane and, you know, for guys that had gotten injured, they had a, a an area of, you know, what they called legroom stretch capability. So if you had like a hamstring injury or something, you were able to actually stretch out a little bit and not have to sit in a, in a smaller seat. Um, so anyway, it's just it's interesting to listen to all of that stuff. But uh, but yeah, you're right. Uh, when, maybe being the smaller airport and the less congested airport is probably better than kind of like if you're the Bears and you got to take a team bus to a section of the airport, to then get on a plane in a very crowded airport, you know, that kind of thing. So maybe uh, maybe that, that actually plays in the Packers' favor, I guess. There you go. Uh, let's go. Let's go to the phone calls. Let's talk to Rob listening to us in Stoddard. Rob, welcome to the program, man. What's happening? Oh, you know, just enjoying our nice 50-degree drop-off. Yeah, I know, right? For football stuff. Well, Packer fans, you don't get the drama I have to deal with every freaking year <laughs> as a Bears fan. Oh, there you go. It's just wonderful sitting here and reading some of the stuff and on it. Uh, the words coming out of the GM's mouth once we take away the Justin Fields part. Um. I'm having. The, I'm going to be waving the red flag. I'm scared because uh, it's not word for word, but it's very similar to 2017. Right. It really is. <laughs> they were saying very similar things before we heard the commissioner say Mitchell Trubisky's name. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. Uh, can you? Yeah, uh, give me your. Give me your thought real quick. Take yourself back to when they announced the Bears have traded for Mitch Trubisky. Give me your thoughts right then and there. 
Well, as that kid in middle school, I was hopeful. Now, if I had a time machine, I would go tell the GM, what are you thinking? Yeah, I think a lot of Bears fans would, you know, drive by his house in toilet paper with messages written on the toilet paper that said, what the hell were you thinking? Well, you never really would have. Yep. I completely agree, man. Appreciate the phone call. That was Rob listening to us. A Bears fan saying, basically, look, you've had success. Feel my pain. Feel my pain. This is true. You know, he didn't say too much about their decision at the number one overall pick. I just, I read so many smart football people who are suggesting they keep Justin Fields, and I just don't get it. I, I don't, I don't understand what people have seen the last couple of years. I don't, the Bears can't have the number one overall pick in back-to-back drafts and have Justin Fields as their quarterback this season. Right. That just can't happen. Yeah, I, uh. It's it's so hard because you know what Justin Fields is, and you know the talent level of Caleb Williams is is far better than what Justin Fields was in college. So automatically you've got yourself what's considered to be an upgrade. Do you think that Justin Fields is more athletic than Caleb Williams? Yeah. I think he's, I think he's a better runner. Sure, of course. Okay. So in that aspect, he's better. Talent-wise, as far as throwing the football, he's not. But I and I, I'm watching the quarterbacks walk in today down at the combine, and uh, again, sitting here on the NFL network. And JJ McCarthy's all smiles, you know, and you've got Drake May, you know, grinning, you know, nodding to people, you know, this is pretty cool. And what looked like an angry Caleb Williams walked through the door, like he's just like maybe it's just a business trip, like I'm putting my, my game face on, you know, okay, dude, look angry. Like, angry and, and just out of place, like, bothered by it, you know? And I, I want to read, I want because he's got all the talent in the world. I just wonder if he's going to have the 10 cent head that goes along with it. Like, he's just not going to handle pressure. Because you're not going, look, if you're going to a small market or a team that's toiling away in anonymity, doesn't have a big coverage or a big presence, that's one thing. You're going to Chicago the third largest media market in all the country with scrutiny on everything it is that you do. And you didn't handle yourself very well this past season at, at USC. And everybody looks at the Notre Dame game and goes, man, that, that what? That's supposed to be the best guy in the country? I think talent-wise, he's fantastic. I just don't know if he's going to have the wherewithal to do it. So what I'm trying to say is I guess the decision is stick with the evil that you know or jump into the pool with a t- more talented player who may be one of the most ultimate of busts. And then again, you're back to being, quote, the Chicago Bears. I don't know. Players at the top of the draft could always bust. Like, I, th- that's a little annoying, like, to me when, when, when people are like, well, the Bears have the number one overall pick, but think of all the number one overall picks who have busted. It's like, okay, but right. what do you suggest they do then? Right. Do they just sit there with Justin Fields because, well, Caleb could buy? I, I don't know. Well, that's a good question because what would you do? Do you do you then just say, "Hey, I know that he's a better player. He's got more potential. He's got more upside. I'm going with that," because you have a number one overall pick sitting there in your stable right now. That you you reached for Mitch Trubisky didn't work out. You went for Justin Fields hasn't really worked out. Now you're going for Caleb Williams, and if this doesn't work out. At some point, you got to look and go, you know what? We have something seriously, systemically wrong with this organization. Because you have been searching for a quarterback since Jim McMahon left. And Jim McMahon 
let's be honest, Jim McMahon was a, a gutsy, Favre-esque type of quarterback. But he wasn't. He he. When you think of great quarterbacks, he is so far down the list. He wasn't even a great quarterback. He was just a better leader. So you're looking for that kind of a quality out of a guy to be able to take a team and elevate a team and throw it on. So I, I just that's the Caleb Williams factor to me that I don't know if Caleb Williams has that. While he has all the other intangibles, Ryan Leaf had all kinds of intangibles and was an absolute mess coming out of Washington. So I wonder what Ryan Leaf is going to, or uh, what uh, Caleb Williams is going to end up being. Let's do this. We'll step away. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We got a lot more to get to. More of the Bill Michaels Show. A lot of good stuff today. A lot of great stuff today, as a matter of fact. We'll be back. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Good to have you. The Bill Michael Show continues on. By the way, uh, the late great Toby Keith. Speaking of that, what uh, do you know? What the uh, why there's so much vitriol right now for Garth Brooks regarding Toby Keith? Keith, by any chance, Grant? Not specifically, no. Okay. Do you? Every now and then, I, I I don't. It was something about Garth Brooks. Would not do a tribute to Toby Keith or something like at his bar. Or I, I I don't know the whole thing. I was kind of before I went on the air today. I was um, kind of perusing, you know, between TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. I'm kind of flipping around and something about you know Garth Brooks needs to be banned from the country music Hall of Famers. I don't know what the hell it was all about. Uh, over the Toby Keith issues or something. You know that, like, weirdly, the number one subject of misinformation I see on Facebook is, like, country music stuff. Where really? it's, like, these pages that share, like, I don't, I don't, I can't even think of an example. But, like, I saw, I saw, I was wasting time on Facebook last night before bed, and it's, like, Nashville rejected Beyonce's application to the Country Music Association. And it's just, like, fake, and it gets people pissed off right. who are like, hell yeah, screw Beyonce. And I'm like, the, some of the weird fake country music headlines that I see are just bizarre. So, yeah. I'm not saying that's what this is, but I always see weird Garth Brooks headlines that are fake. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Um, I can't imagine that, but okay, whatever. I don't even know. Since I got out of that end of the business, I don't know. You know, I mean, I know names, and I know music. But the drama of all the behind-the-scenes stuff, you know, um, I remember. Did, did you ever do music radio? Uh, t- yeah, I still do top forty radio, but it's not like okay. it's not like what you did. Like I'm not promoting concerts and going to right things. Yeah. So when you would do it, you would have, um, what what you would do is you would have like a few segments in between where you would do. You know, I did a show called Rock Talk, and I traveled with some bands. I traveled with the damn Yankees. Uh, oddly enough, I traveled with Jackal. I traveled with a few bands when I first got my first radio gig, we'll say. And it was a thing called Rock Talk. you go for three days if they were in the area, and you would just interview them. And then you play all those interviews back, like on Sunday night or something, and that's usually when it aired, uh, was Sunday night and Wednesday night, and we did the Rock Talk thing. And... It was all the drama of, you know, why the band break up? Why'd you move on from this drummer? Why, you know, and you go into that kind of stuff. And that was what 
people that love music and love gossip love. It, it was it was fun, you know. I mean, I remember sitting down for God an hour and a half with Ted Nugent and just thinking to myself, what the hell did I just hear? Because it was it, it's a lot of deeply. It's almost like he's the you know rock version of Aaron Rodgers. So anyway, um, you get into all of this stuff, and when I got out of that. You get into your own kind of thing. You, you know, I tried to, in sports talk, though, there are so many players, so many athletes, you know. It's not just a genre of – it's not like we just cover the NFL or just cover the Milwaukee Bucks or just cover the Brewers. We cover everything. So you can't get into everybody's drama. And we do talk about some of that stuff, but in rock music, it was like – and I did rock and country, as a matter of fact. But there was just so much garbage – uh, and you'd get the agents or the bookers or the, you know, the agencies that would call you and say, hey, this just happened. We want you to know, you know, and you'd put it out there and, you know, it would be, you know, Y96 in Cincinnati, you know, whatever says that, you know, Shania Twain is now, you know, officially engaged to Mutt Lang. And it was just it was craziness at the time. It was like and that stuff still goes on. There's still the interfeuds, you know, between artists and who does what and. I don't know. This is maybe the reason I don't pay attention to it as much anymore. I just turn my radio on and, you know, listen to XM or Spotify or local stations. I still try to listen to local just to support local, but holy crap, that kind of stuff. But I did. I was reading that. Yeah. Uh, Richard says, have you heard of Taylor Swift? Yeah, I have. I try to stay away from that crap. I, I look at it. I'll, I'll be really honest with you about this, Richard. Um, The level, and, and I don't know if you know this, Billboard just had a, a piece out. Nobody since the invasion of the Beatles has remained in the top 200 longer. Taylor Swift has just eclipsed the Beatles in play, recognition, songs that are in the top 200. She just beat the Beatles. And I said that a while ago when she, when all the talk was her coming to Lambeau Field. I said, look, I, I it's drama. It's stuff away from the, the field. I get it. I understand that. But. She's bigger than the Beatles. And, oh, my God, the boomers went crazy. You're out of your effing mind. And, you know, the Beatles would have been bigger with social media. Maybe. Maybe. But an actual listens, downloads, plays, all that kind of stuff, as opposed to album sales, she's bigger than the Beatles. We only can go with the analytics we have to use. And she's bigger than the Beatles. She's bigger than Elvis. She's as big as, if not bigger, than Michael Jackson. She surpassed Michael Jackson. When you start to think of some of the biggest of the bigs, when it comes to album and music and all that kind of stuff. That's why you can say, oh, screw it. They're, nobody cares. It's like, no, actually they do. Actually they do. So anyway, um, I don't know why I went down that rabbit hole, but <laughs> we certainly did. Let's do this. We're going to step away. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. For those that missed it in the first hour, Steve Ashburner, a wealth of information uh, from NBA.com, talking about the Bucks, talking about Doc Rivers, talking about the behind the scenes going from Adrian Griffin over to Doc Rivers, where that team was, where it is now. All of that, all of that is going to be coming up here in just a couple of minutes. So stay right where you're at. Uh, don't go anywhere. we got more of the Bill Michael Show coming up with Steve Ashburner. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
Welcome back. Bill Michael show continuing. Steve Ashburner from NBA.com covering a longtime senior writer for NBA.com covering the NBA, the association. Had him on a little bit earlier today and uh, spoke specifically uh, in a lot of different senses about uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, the change from Adrian Griffin. Uh, also, when it comes to that, uh, we talked about uh, whether or not Doc Rivers has this team, we'll say, back on track. So, uh, and for those that didn't get a chance to hear it in the first hour of the program, I wanted you to hear it because it's really, really good and interesting stuff about the Milwaukee Bucks. Steve Ashburner from the NBA.com, senior writer. This was the conversation. Joining us on the hotline, Steve, how you been? I'm good, Bill. Thanks for having me back on. Absolutely. So let's. Uh, I want to start first and foremost with what, because you and I have not talked since the Bucks made the coaching change. Give me your thoughts on Adrian Griffin and then the change for Doc Rivers, what Doc Rivers had to say about the organization, and then obviously the slow start and seemingly now like they put the train back on the tracks. Uh, yeah, well, that's a lot to uh, get our arms around. I, um, <laughs> you know, it just seemed it just seemed for a while there, and, and maybe it's calming down now, which I think is a great thing. But for a while there, there was way too much drama coming out of uh, Milwaukee via the Bucks. Um, I told somebody this is you know the, the most the most angst out of Milwaukee since Laverne and Shirley broke up. I mean, it's really not <laughs> a um, a good look or a, a proper sense of priorities. Um, and very unbucks like. I mean, they're you know they're one of those flyover markets, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I, I can say that because I went to school there and I lived there for eleven years. I mean, I love Milwaukee, but you know, they, they, there's always that chip on the shoulder, and yet they're getting plenty of headlines for what hasn't been going right. And then you mentioned you know the hire of of Doc Rivers. Well, I don't look at as unseemly as it was, as awkward as it was to bring in an outside guy in the midst of a season which is a concern unto itself. I, I thought the bigger concern was bringing an outside guy who'd never been a head coach in at the start of the season for a championship contender, certainly an aspirant. And, and I, I just didn't think that made a lot of sense. I was very puzzled why Adrian Griffin would have been coaching that team. And so the fact that they replaced him, even with 30 victories, um, you know, there's a, there's an old saying. You know, it's it's never too early to fix a mistake, and so you know that's what I I felt was being done. You know, and I I, I didn't think that Adrian Griffin was being gypped out of anything. I think that there was a, a ample um, a sample size of not just one one loss record, but um, you know how he went about his business, how he connected with that team. You know, if 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 they they were making a mistake to make a change at that point, I got to think that there would have been more than one or two players that would have thrown themselves in front of that, in front of that bus to uh, to make sure it didn't happen. But you know, while you can say nobody really, um, you know, kicked them to the curb, um, you know, nobody went out of their way to, you know, uh, put themselves on the line either. He seemed a little bit uh, in over his head to me. Uh, you know, some guys are great assistants. I don't know. Um, maybe I would need more time, but I don't think they have the time to fiddle with. I think I think you have to, if you have a gut feeling that a change was needed, you had to make the change. And defensively, they were abysmal um, for reasons that might have to do with coaching, might have to do with personnel. Um, they're at least trying to fix that now under Rivers. Everybody knows what the issues are with the Bucks. 
Now they have an opportunity to go forward with what remains. I think there's enough time, if they are for real, there's enough time to uh, to peak towards the playoffs and and hit that running. Veteran teams have that luxury, but they don't need all 82. And I think that's the, the situation the Bucks are in. Do, should we have taken, when, when Terry Stotts left, after they assembled that coaching staff and Stotts said, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm out, should we have taken that as kind of like the salvo over the bow to say, hey, there's something that just isn't right behind the scenes in this? I don't know. I'd have to hear something from Terry himself. I mean, that could have been 80% on him, you know, where he just decided, I've been a head coach. I don't want to go back into the uh, lieutenant seat. I mean, so you know, that has not really been put out there, and I wouldn't necessarily hold that um, uh, against Adrian Griffin from the start. I mean, it was unseemly. It was not a, a good look, and, and perhaps things could have been handled better behind closed doors, but I think that falls to both guys. I mean, if, if the coach needs you in a huddle of assistant coaches, plenty of time to talk to your player. I, you know, I wasn't there. I've heard the reports and read the reports, but um, unfortunate, yes. Um, foreshadowing not necessarily i uh i, I look at the, the trade uh, to, when they said drew holiday out and they you know everybody talked about the camaraderie and the lack of defense that they now possess and you know we kind of expected a little bit of a downturn but you know if fans here will say well god you shouldn't have traded drew holiday i thought like much like everybody when they brought in damian lillard you had to give up quality for quality and you got a much much better shooter and a more consistent shooter and a guy that's kind of going to handle the basketball at the end of a ball game so we don't see the the repeat of a miami in the postseason again and you see some guys that can stop the bleeding so do you think it was the good move it was the right move to bring in damian lillard uh, that's a that's a, uh, a summation. I'm not I'm not sure we'll really know until until what happens in the playoffs. When when they made the move, I mean, like everybody else, I was totally surprised. And you know, I immediately go into the um, you know the pros and the cons. And I and I thought, okay, well, he scores you know X percent more than Drew Holiday. You can count on him. You know, uh, just game in game out for more volume scoring. And of course, some some you know clutch moments that we've seen you know already from from Lillard. Maybe not as many as he got famous for in Portland. But then I thought, okay, well, if he's X percent better than Holiday on offense, what percent drop off are you willing to accept on defense? And I felt at the time that they could they could miss Holiday more than they would drive with Lillard. And then when Holiday ends up with the number one rival. I mean, that to me, that was a dark cloud. That was that was something that, you know, uh-oh, this could be a problem. And I think it remains uh, that. It looks like it's a problem for the Bucks that Drew Holiday is in Boston. Now, Boston might be rolling even without Drew Holiday. If Holiday were in L.A. or Miami or, you know, New Orleans or wherever. But, um, I mean, it's a concern because it took a, a – it turned, um, you know, what had been – a for several years, a, a fairly good uh, side of the ball strength for Milwaukee. It's defense, and it has really exposed um, that as you know the number one problem. So um, it was it was a lot to give up, and um, that in in giving it up, you know, giving Holiday up, he ends up you know roundabout going to the Celtics. Um, yeah, I wasn't sure that that Lillard's presence would outweigh that. 
Uh, I want to go to where they are now. This team uh, has started out the second half of the unofficial second half of the season uh, kind of hot. They've actually looked relatively impressive. Now, beating Charlotte's not yeah. overly impressive, but they looked good against Minnesota, certainly, and then uh, have now put three wins together. Do you think it was just a matter of time for just Doc to get philosophically in there and say, okay, the structure is this, and this is the way we're going to do things, and now they feel better about it? Or or is it just the fact that now the guys look at the, the something game stretching, okay, now we got to buckle down because we got the postseason coming? Well, I mean, obviously he's, he, he's going to be able to establish himself more um, with more time there. I mean, it probably would have helped if he didn't coach the – uh, the Eastern All-Stars, because he could have spent even more time sort of locked in and focused on what he wanted to do. But, it, you know, he's a talented guy, and he's able to uh, to multitask, and, and, and coaching at All-Star Weekend is not the most taxing duty anyway. And uh, so, no, I think I think the time is, is the biggest thing. I mean, I don't know that that's going to solve. I don't know that hard work is going to solve all the issues for the Bucks. Um Defensively, I think that that you know, in terms of their roster construction, I think that they're a little bit light on um, athleticism. They're obviously an older team. Um, I think the one, two, and three positions, you know, are often um, liabilities defensively. And so, you know, uh, granted, there are teams that don't have elite defenders in those spots um, around the league, and they they have to make do with what. They have, and I think I think the Bucks are are starting to do that. I think they're starting to play, you know, as a group defensively in a way that can maybe hide some of the individual deficiencies. You know, whether it's whether it's Lillard or you know Chris Middleton not being as as sprightly as he used to be or whatever it is. And so, you know, if 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 that gets it done, that's great because they certainly can put the points on the board. They have a great uh, all-around defender in, in Giannis, and, and Brooke Lopez at age 35 is, you know, still a formidable formidable force in the paint. So, you know, they might have enough. They just they just needed to really get going. Is it just the uh, the Celtics' world and everybody else is breathing air in it till the end, or do the Bucks, if they put it all together, have a legitimate shot at knocking off Boston? Well, I mean, a team that's that's done it, a team that's been to multiple playoffs, they always have a shot. I mean, I say. Boston is my favorite, um, uh, my pick to to go to the finals from the East. I, I think they might be the pick to to win it too. But um, you know, you get into a series, you know, several best of seven series, um, an injury here or there. If you're the luckier team and the other team is not, I mean, many things can happen. So um, it's just a matter of you know how many of the you know you're gonna have to play uh, Boston and. Well, it's muddled enough in the East that maybe it's not as clear anymore. It used to be the top three were those two and uh, and Philadelphia, but but Cleveland is you know a problem, and the way they're playing now. So um, yeah, I mean you're gonna you're gonna have a tough road, I think, on both sides. Um, yeah, sure, the Bucks have the experience. You got Giannis Antetokounmpo. That's a you know a great advantage almost every other team on almost every other team. But um, yeah, I. I I'd be wary of the Celtics. And you know what? Given Milwaukee's history with them, the Miami Heat, um, you never want to take lightly. Right. They can they can spoil a whole season for you again. Uh, let me ask you this. Have we seen Giannis? Because we kept waiting for Because we kept saying every year Giannis is going to shatter the ceiling. He's going to go through this. And he got better each and every year. Have we seen Giannis now kind of reach this is what Giannis is status? Well, um, all at once, maybe, you know, I mean, I think that 
he's at a point where maybe some of the, um, you know, jaw-dropping um, two strides down court and, and slam over three guys, that sort of, you know, highlight play might might be less of that i mean 10 years in i mean come on that's you know and and what is he now is he uh 28 30 29 something so you know i mean that that's just naturally going to diminish i think even just out of self-preservation he might want to factor that in not that he's going to play cautious but you certainly don't want to put yourself in harm's way but in terms of you know developing more of a go-to move um, you know, being uh, better in the shot selection, um, smarter when it comes to offensive fouls. We're seeing some of that now. It's just those things are going to improve. Those categories will go up and some of the other stuff will go down. And the total package, I mean, he still may be just as effective. Um, but in terms of maintaining all that, that sort of uh, intimidating um, athletic ability and just, you know, uh, breathtaking uh, highlight play. I mean, it may be a little bit more, um, you know, playing with his, his brain rather than, you know, just his body. Real quick before I let you go, Steve, i got to ask you the uh, scoring uh, crazy right now in the NBA. I saw Kevin Garnett talk about how LeBron has ruined the NBA and the All-Star game, and there's a lot of things going on. And uh, you, does, the, does the NBA have an issue, and is it correctable? Oh, I think it's definitely correctable, and that, I guess, suggests I think they do have an issue. I think that they have neutered defense. They have they have made it um, almost impossible to hold teams, you know, under 100 points uh, unless that team is contributing with a really cockeyed shooting night. It's it's. Uh, I don't like it. I think it's. I think the game itself, the biggest to me, the f- biggest flaw is it's three point crazy. And and it's just not entertaining to me. And I, you know, I'm older than the average fan, so uh, you know, I'll, I'll I'll concede some things. But it's not entertaining, and it's not distinctive to watch guys hoist three pointer after three pointer. To me, the beauty of the mid range game is you had so many famous players whose style you could you could tell. I mean, kids in driveways would imitate certain shooting motions. I mean, Bernard King was different from. Dominique Wilkins was different from Julius Irving, was different from, you know, Chet Walker to go back to a really old time. I mean, everybody had their, their pump fakes and their their moves and their baby hooks and this and that. To me, guys shooting three-pointers pretty much look the same. And and whether they make them or not, and of course, a good, a good night and a good season is missing six out of ten. So you're seeing a lot more missed shots. Well, what happens on those missed shots? Do they kick out and become transition baskets because they're long rebounds? It's just like we have to sit through more failure, in essence. You know, we accept that a, a 300 hitter in baseball is going to make an out seven times. Well, now we have to accept that a good shooter in basketball is going to miss six out of ten. And it's just it's not as interesting to me as seeing, you know, I don't need to see guys slogging in the paint or in the post, you know, bang, 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 and then up, up a little way up, you know, he turns around, he does it. Although I love watching the big men play, but it's that it's that mid range which is you know okay we get it. Coaches and analysts can do math, and they've won the the two the, you know the two pointer with the lower probability out of the game. But it's it's an entertainment uh, vehicle too, and I think it is less entertaining. It is to me. Steve, always great to get you on. I appreciate it. A wealth of knowledge. We'll touch base again as the season winds down. Okay. You got it, Bill.
There you go. Steve Ashburner from a little bit earlier today in the first hour of the program. This hour of the program brought to you by our friends at Curly's Waterfront Sports Bar and Grill on Pewaukee Lake and over 2000 in cash and prizes last week. They've got another pair of Bucks tickets, Admirals tickets, plus Bucks jerseys to give away tonight. Starts at 7 o'clock tonight. Tonight, they've got pizza, they've got wings, they've got appetizers, cash, prizes, and Bucks Admirals tickets to give away tonight, along with a Bucks jersey. Stop out to our friends at Curly's Waterfront Sports Bar and Grill. Happy hump day, as they say. Stay tuned. We wrap things up next on the Bill Michael Show. So don't go anywhere. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Good to have you back. The Bill Michaels Show. We uh, continue on. Final segment before we get out of here. Thanks to Mike Clemens for uh, coming on the program. Out at the, down at the NFL Combine. Get a chance to chat with Mike. Mike will join us again tomorrow, I'm sure. Any breaking news coming out of the Combine? uh, Players starting to... Walk through the gates, as he had mentioned. The quarterbacks aren't really going to do much until Saturday, the made-for-TV show that is the NFL Network now. And uh, thanks to Steve Ashburner for coming on, talking a lot of Bucks basketball. Bucks off today, back at it in Charlotte again tomorrow. Then they got the Bulls. Then they have the West Coast Swing. Uh, we didn't get too deep into the Badger thing. We uh, we probably will take a look at that tomorrow. Um, it, I mean, we'll, we'll get into kind of like the overall bird's-eye view might be the best way to put it. As to where you think, what direction you think uh, Badger basketball? You can even throw football in there for the most part, um, but we'll we'll talk about the direction uh, of the team right now and what the hopes are for the postseason. Realistic hopes are for the postseason. I think might be the best way to put it. This is how you know we're clicking on a high level because I talked to Zach Heilprin about twenty minutes ago. I was like, "Hey, can you come on tomorrow? We can do like a state of the program." We can talk about some Badgers yeah. down at the Combine. So we're going to have Zach Heilprin, and also I'm amped because we're going to have Mike Renner on tomorrow, talk about some draft prospects and some maybe uh, some interests of the Packers heading into the draft in a couple weeks. So I'm amped for tomorrow's show. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward. First of all, it's a Thursday, which puts us a day closer to the weekend. But you've got Bucks basketball coming up. You've got weekend college hoops coming up. We're on the precipice of March. And you know what that means, that we are now going to be into the Ides of March, St. Patrick's Day around the corner, March Madness around the corner, a lot going on. And uh, we'll be culminating, uh, you know, kind of really digging into the NFL scouting combine as well. So I, there's a lot going on that I'm excited for tomorrow. But I, I, we didn't take a very long look and because we had so much going on uh, at the Badgers. But I, we probably should. You know, we've, we've somewhat avoided it uh, a little bit. I mean, but – I don't think you can anymore. I think last night the the symbolism of the fire alarm going off had to be a foreshadowing to something, whether this team needs in some kind of a way, shape, or form wake-up call, or is this what it is? And you just kind of wait after your hopes were brought so high to see a team go to number six in the country. To You're just kind of waiting for the inevitable or the dismal end, you know, uh, of, of this season. I – I, I still can't believe that they played such good basketball until they got beat by Nebraska. I, I mean, what happened? I mean, you can talk about missed shots and 
turnovers and doing a lot of things that, you know, aren't. This is what I hear, is they're not characteristic of the Badgers. Well, at this point, what's characteristic? What we saw when they were number six in the country or what we've seen where they've won, what, two out of their last eight games in the month of February? Or do you just say the month of February is done, you rinse it, you wash it, you get rid of it, and now you just move on, which I'm sure is what Greg Gard's telling the guys inside that locker room. But what's more characteristic of the Badgers right now? The good play that we saw early on or the play that we've witnessed now over the last eight games? And, and it's you can say one thing if it's two or three games, but it's eight games. It's a month's worth of basketball against some teams that they shouldn't have been losing to. So what's characteristic of this team? So we'll get into all of that coming up tomorrow on the program as well. And I think it's, I think it's fair. I think it's fair to take a look realistically at, uh, at what's happening over there. Because so, you, you, we're rooting for them. I mean, I was excited as anybody going back to when you had the thoughts of Tom Crean taking Marquette, Bo Ryan taking Wisconsin, Bruce Pearl taking UW-Milwaukee. I mean, you had good, good hoops in the state of Wisconsin. That's what I, I live for. And I just want to see the Badgers do well, but I think you got to take that that look. Uh, so that's it. That'll do it. We'll wrap things up. We'll be back at it again tomorrow. Until we talk again, 20 hours from now. 20 hours from now. Time for us to get out of here. Have a go. Hey.